0: Welcome to Pedagodzilla, the podcast that takes the monstrously impenetrable world of pedagogic theory, research, and observation, and makes sense of it through the far more enjoyable lens of geeky games, books, film, TV, and comics. Enjoy! Each episode, we're going to take a concept, a model, a theory, just about anything to do with education, really, uh, lazily slap an analogy over the top in order to make it all real and stuff, (laughs) in order to contextualise it uh, for you, uh, and then tell you how you can use it in your own practice. Uh, this week we'll be pottering around in Wave and Wenger's, no, Wave and Lenger's. Is it Wenger or Wenger? Wenger, Lave and Wenger. Lave and Wenger's uh, communities of practice and asking ourselves, what does a boundary object have to do with Leroy Jenkins? <laughs> so uh, I'm Mike, I'm a learning designer working with the Open University, and joining me today we have. I'm Mark, also a learning designer working with the Open University. Uh, Doc Mark Mark um, adds authenticity to this exercise with okay. his,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> his qualifications. Oh, I've
1: got a qualification, yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: So, in this episode, we're going to be looking at uh, communities of practice, so let's just run through uh, the basics. So, concept, it was uh, first proposed by cognitive uh, anthropologist uh, Jean Lave and educational theorist Etienne Wenger in their 1991 book, Uh, Situated Learning. Wenger then uh, significantly expanded on the concept uh, in his 1998 book, Communities of Practice, um, which is sort of what the... uh, the term is, and you've just gone, do you want to, are you going for the book?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to go for the book, and I thought, that's not going to work on a podcast, <laughs> is it? Audio-visual aid. Part one, the
0: pedagogy. Okay, so uh, what is a community of practice? It's a little bit WYSIWYG, it's a little bit Ron Seal, it definitely does what it says on the tin.
1: Yeah, it's basically any group of people that come together uh, with a common purpose, who are learning, want to, want to learn together. Or even, uh, I mean, Wenger's original thing was that a claims processing office and he looked at the way that claims processes work together and about how new claims processes got inducted into the office and all that kind of thing. So that's what he was looking at, but it works for anybody. It works for a group of people trying to learn together. It, uh, I've Some of my friends applied it to looking at World of Warcraft and about how guilds work together. So, um, yeah, so it's basically any group of people that come together in w- other, in order to do something together and which requires learning in order to do it properly, which is pretty much anything, any group of people.
0: And there's a couple of um, sort of main characteristics which identify something as a community of practice, other than it being community of practice. Um, so I have those down as the domain, mm-hmm. the community, the practice. And then within that, there's a couple of other um, sort of uh, elements which we'll, uh, we'll sort of cover as we go through. Um, so the domain is the uh, sort of the shared area or the shared domain of the interest which so that's accurate. Um yeah, um,
1: I we went back to look at this and how much domain is the sense of a domain as in a sense of a discipline and how much its domain is the sense of the space that it's in. But I guess you could talk about anything it could be a physical space or it could be like the, you know the cognitive space whatever people are thinking about and what they're doing where they're doing it.
0: Hmm. Um, so and then there's the community so as well as domain there's mm-hmm. the community. So the community is uh, the members. So there's the members and kind of the relationships between them um in order for them to be able to learn from one another and sort of interact and and know one another because a very important kind of um, aspect of community practice is that to some degree the people within it know one another or, or know the players within that yeah and then the third one was and the third one is the practice itself which is sort of the, the shared activity that the community practices like processing claims whatever like, yeah, yeah processing okay. claims and I think the reason
1: why we're looking at it and why,
0: and what we want to do with the
1: rest of the podcasts is, although he's a cognitive, what did you call him, cognitive anthropologist or something? Yeah. Yep. It's really not the theories that make this interesting. And I don't think it's that well theorized necessarily. There's a bunch of theories stuck in there. But what all of the stuff that Mike's just talked about is what. Wenger just observed, so it's basically a model to describe what you see rather than a whole set of theories underpinning all that, and I think that's what makes it useful, is that actually you can apply all of this to looking at a community and then breaking it down into the constituent parts in order to understand how to make it work more effectively
0: and to to really make sense of what it is that you're Mm. looking at. So um, we're going to torturously apply um, an analogy to as we go through, so... Mark um, Mark mentioned that his friends had gone through and done um, an analysis of World of Warcraft. Yeah. Against Communities of Practice. Uh, World of Warcraft is very internet and meme. Circa, like, the last 12 years? World of Warcraft's been going through. Yeah, yeah, and it's still huge. Yeah. Um, and most people, I imagine, will have an awareness of what World of Warcraft is. So, yeah, we're going to um, sort of... Uh, uh, what's the what's the word I'm after? Uh, contextualise. We're going to contextualise oh, okay. the different elements of okay. um, Communities of Practice uh, against World of Warcraft. Okay, I should, however, before we do so, say we've talked about the um, the domain, the community, and the practice, and they're all sort of pretty self-explanatory, but within those, there's a couple of bits that help them to work, and they are broker agents and boundary objects, not to be confused with boundary agents and broker objects. So I think what the key bits of the whole idea of a community of practice
1: is that there are people, like, I see as concentric circles, that there's a... There's a a kind of outer circle of people and an inner circle of people and then people coming into that circle. So the idea is that people can be on any one of the different numbers of trajectories through this particular space. There can be what uh, Wenger called an inbound trajectory, which means you turn up to work and you get on okay with the people and you become part of the community and then you stay there. And then there are um, outbound trajectories where you gradually lose touch with the community or you don't get on with it and you gradually... um, get pushed out of it and you get peripheral trajectories and all these sorts of things. So that is kind of what we're looking at when we're looking at community are the stages by which people get inducted into that community and what sort of things help them do that. And one of the things is uh, what gets called a broker agent. And a broker agent is somebody that um, Wenger observed who is acts as the person that inducts people into that community. So it helps if there's somebody to show you the ropes, basically, take you around. It's not necessarily just the formal induction. It's introducing you to all the... Um, ideas, the tools, all these sorts of things, and introduce, introducing it to other people. So that's kind of... You always find there's somebody who acts this kind of mentor role and that sort of thing. The other thing you mentioned, which was a boundary object. A boundary object can be um, a tool or It can be a language uh, element language element like what would you call a language element um a word uh, so terminology and those sorts of things so if you're i don't know buffing a tank in world of warcraft your first day you might not know what buffing a tank is and how to do it and if it's you know if it's p g thirteen or not or whatever, but gradually you acquire those t- terminology because. You will either pick it up through, um, through instructions, but usually through communicating with other people, and there will be somebody who will introduce you to these ideas and these concepts. And these are all actually boundary objects. But they can be, I don't know, uh, virtual objects, which you can then um, attach to your, uh, to your character, your tune, um, which then can make it perform better, or you might level up through processes and acquire things that make you look better. All those sorts of things are boundary objects because they take you from this sense of being on the outside to Being on the inside, mm. and also you can talk about being marginalized or peripheralized, so marginalized is you 're excluded because um, you 're not part of the community, but you could just be on the peripheral periphery, which means that you 're just on the edge of this thing, but you 're moving your way in, and it 's a kind of legitimate part of the whole process is just feeling like you haven 't found your feet yet, but that 's normal because you 're still on the peripheries, but it doesn 't mean that you 're not on an inbound trage- trajectory. What it means is that you're still on the first part of that trajectory and there's still mm. a way to go. Knowing the difference of being able to tell the difference is 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 takes experience really. You know, whether you're being marginalized or whether or not it's just you're not on the inside yet, but you will be. That's all part of what uh, Wenger observed with looking at these claims processes and within different educational contexts, and um, which Martin Oliver and Diane Carr, who did this stuff on World of Warcraft, what they observed with the guilds within World of Warcraft as mm-hmm. well. All these sort of things happen,
0: and all of them follow follow the very similar patterns. We've established that the domain, which is the shared area of interest, the community, the members, the people involved, and their relationships, and the practice which is the shared actors they engage on, are kind of the defining characteristics. And then within that, you have the broker agents, who are the people who take you from a status of not being a member of the community practice through, as you say, the inbound trajectory but to basically kind of your journey mm-hmm. inside the community to practice, inside the different layers of that, from kind of, you know, noob scrub level, all the way up to uh, sort of guild leader, yeah, or, uh, or have you want to. <laughs> I'm going to torturously apply <coughs> this analogy later on. You're going to cringe. And then boundary objects, which are the various concepts, pieces of information, resources that help you progress deeper inside um, the various kind of levels of um, or participation in the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's feeling part of it. It's being able to participate in it.
1: It's been able to do it effectively, all those sorts mm. of things. There's a whole language. I mean, well, you know, with our job, there's a whole language of different acronyms, abbreviations that you have to get your head around. Mm. And they can feel really alienating at first. Um, but once you've ad- ad- adapted to this, then they become kind of second nature, really. They become your own special language. And that special language helps you f- create a coherent feeling of unity within the community as well.
0: Hmm. Part Two A Nerdy Analogy. Okay, so for the second part of this, just to uh, contextualise it, we've already t- touched on it a little bit. We're just going to demonstrate to you how you can apply. No, this is a bad way to phrase it. Okay, so okay. let's take the community of practice okay. model and apply it to World of Warcraft. That's good uh, go. Which, as a you know, as Billy, no computer, starting off, you literally log in. You've got no idea what you're doing. You get a pop-up text tutorial pointing you to your first quest, and that's basically it. And you find the rest out as you go along.
1: Yeah, there's at that point you can fall into one or two categories, uh, which some people talk about. And know I think Diane Carr does in this in this paper. She talks about noobs and noobs. Now there's a quite like, a noob It's about n zero zero B or N double O B. A noob is somebody that is not aware of how little they know, basically. It's the it's the unknown unknowns. So they will go in there and they will wind people up. They will talk, cross chat. They will make these glaring er- errors because they're not actually sitting back and trying to learn before actually doing anything. So a noob, N-E-W-B, is somebody that knows that they don't know anything. And so basically there's this phase which is called legitimate peripheral participation or lurking. But this is what If you are conscious of the fact that you are joining a society, then you will be aware of the fact that you are a noob, and you will sit back and you will lurk and you will learn what some of the social rules are, you will learn some of the clues, the cues, and those sorts of things, and then gradually you will start on this inbound trajectory because you are aware that you don't know what's going on. Part of the problem noobs have is that they're probably so unaware of what this environment is that might not even be aware there is a social norm, and there are social mm. cues and things like that, and so they 're not prepared to
0: put the time in to learn what they are before really really winding people up so we 've got our new player, they are either a noob or a noob mm-hmm. um, which I, you can 't see the sound that my, you can 't see the shape my mouth's making um, when i 'm saying this, but trust me they 're very different <laughs> yeah. one is a ooh and the other one's a. Ew. And the player has entered the domain, mm-hmm. the domain being the World of Warcraft, yeah. uh, the game itself. They have not yet joined the community, or they are on an inbound, inbound trajectory uh, towards the community, but crucially they've not yet joined the community. So let's talk about what takes that player from having just landed in the game and either started making mistakes or started trying to teach themselves, and how they're progressing into the community of World of Warcraft. There's two
1: ways to reflect on where you are at that stage. One is to, is to, rec- is to appreciate that you are in a peripheral situation so that 's basically that you are still got a lot to learn, but you will learn it. you recognize that these are problems that you 're facing but you 've got to you know you 've got to learn the ropes you 've got to learn the tools which could, could be difficult you could be learning um, you 've got to be part of the community which could take time you 've got to make friends which isn 't going to happen immediately you 've got to find a value or a role or whatever so all those sorts of things will even i mean they'll take time in the physical world they 're going to take time in the virtual world too and it 's kind of key to see that that's a normal, legitimate peripheral stage. What happens, though, with some people is that it's difficult at at first, they're not making friends at first, they are um, not working out what's going on, and they feel marginalised, and at that point they're thinking, this isn't for me, I can't get this, this is too difficult, and they drop out. So I think that's the next stage, is recognising the difference between marginality and peripherality. And working with teaching students how to use virtual worlds as a learning platform, this is the one big difference I notice between people who have a gaming experience and those who don't. It's not that you're used to moving around and moving an avatar around or whatever. That's not what gives you the, the kind of push up in terms of staying and staying the course. It's that you recognise the difference between peripherality and marginality because you've been through that experience before with World of Warcraft or League of Legends or whatever and you know that that's just a normal part of the process. Whereas actually if you haven't, you feel freaked out by it and you go, oh, this isn't for me, I can't do this. Or use somebody like me who will stick with it, recognize it's peripheral but realize you don't have the hand-eye coordination to avoid dying every time <laughs> you try it. And so therefore you give up. But give after giving it a good
0: go, basically, is the difference. So yeah, so that's the next step. Okay, so you're now a sort of a peripheral member. You know, mm-hmm. you've not dropped out, or if you have, more fool you. Um, I've lost three hundred <laughs> hours of my life on record to World of Warcraft. You're now a peripheral member or uh, of the kind of the community. It's probably a good time to talk about the practice itself because the practice um, with World of Warcraft, for example, is probably not quite what it appears on the surface. On the surface, the practice of World of Warcraft may look like it's playing the game. However, anybody who enters that community quickly realizes that the practice isn't just leveling up and playing the game. If anything, that's the way that you go in order to participate in the practice. The practice in World of Warcraft is the end game content The entire uh, metagame of the the game and the community revolves around everything that happens ostensibly when you finish the game. As far as everybody else is concerned, that's when the game actually starts.
1: Well, and also the practice, the community isn't necessarily something that leads to the practice for a lot of people. The practice is just something to be part of the community as well. So, Mm. I mean, if it's that's the difference essentially between being in claims processing and playing World, World of Warcraft is that you will be in claims processing purely to earn the money to process to 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 do other things and the claims processing is a means to an end hmm. whereas with um, with World of Warcraft the community the, the game is just something you do and the cha- is in order to meet a challenge and to be part of the community because all those kind of things is kind of these are the different threshold concepts that once you're into it to so a certain point and threshold concepts also another the thing in another later podcast so once you've absorbed these different things you transit you transition into Another part of the community because you've got it, you've got the idea that this is a meta game going on, which you might mm-hmm. not realize at first. You could see that as a boundary object because once you've transitioned into, once you've got that idea in your head, you've transitioned into a different part of the community.
0: Well In fact, yeah, let's let's roll that back a bit. Okay. So we're back onto our journey of that, in, the, the inbound trajectory, the inbound trajectory um, of your World of Warcraft player. Let's say they've met their broker agent, yeah, a guild recruiter, mm-hmm. loads them about. We're recruiting for a new guild. You sign up and you've spoken to a guild recruiter, or perhaps you've gone in with uh, a friend who's been playing for longer. They start to show you the ropes, they, and then they start to induct you into the boundary objects of things like knowledge of the actual game, the meta game that's going on, and the sort of the goals within that. Uh, things like what your hearthstone does, uh, which is something that I forgot I didn't know about for the first 100 hours playing, which turns out reduces your travel time quite uh, significantly significant boundary object significant boundary um threshold concepts so Mm. things like the real profound surprise of of playing the game being like oh this is a kind of okay game to play and then having it revealed to me that no this wasn't the game this was the bit that happens before the game the game starts at the 300 hour mark and that just and and this is what the game looks like people showed me what the game looks like at that point and that blew my mind it's like oh it's not just like killing and skinning boars it's it's at this point that you're in raids tackling these titanic things, which you'll be doing for sort of six-hour stints. Yeah. Which, yeah, blew my tiny mind.
1: Yeah, yeah. And because, and also if you've played games before, a lot of them are just about levelling up and acquiring stuff and those sorts of things, and so this other stuff doesn't happen, and so therefore it would never occur to you that it does happen. And there's a bit more to threshold concepts than that. Usually they are quite complex, and they require bringing together lots of different things and merging them into Mm. one in order to progress to the next stage. So, But I guess, I suppose, also with the metagame, you'll need to have understood about guild cooperation, you would need to understand about um, levelling up, you would need to understand several things and bring them all together in order for this transition to happen into yet another idea so I know it's very closely allied concept of community to community the practice it just doesn't really crop up in within the model hmm. but I mean all of these models fit together anyway really because they're all about the real world and you know the real world is a real thing that it's not like uh, some bits of it are you know all of it all fits together somehow because you know because you know it does really there you go
0: okay so I think we've kind of charted the um I would, I'm intrinsically against the word trajectory i don't know why oh, okay we've, we've charted the journey but uh, the, the inbound trajectory of um our new player going from noob to person who is now participating in raids they've gone from the periphery they've met their broker agent who has then guided them through um a series of, of boundary objects basically deeper into the practice learning as they go it's a, sort of a social participative learning experience on their way in they've clocked up they've gone from their their initial 12 hours of play up to 312 they now understand that perhaps their original pick of hunter as uh, as a role wasn't uh, wasn't great because nobody needs dps everyone's a healer or a tank regretting it they're being told to re-roll their character by people who have an extra 300 hours of their life to spare I'm just going through like ptsd now <laughs> that's <laughs> why like- i stopped playing the game <laughs> um but, so, but they now found themselves within the community of practice. They're in a uh, 50 to 100 person guild. Uh, they understand the concept. They are actively engaged in the practice itself, which is this end game content. Is there anything else we should mention as part of the model at this point in their journey?
1: Yes, because um, I've had a quick flick through the book, but I didn't need to because you just raised the key thing, which is about you know whether you're a rogue or whatever, is um, about identity and about what happens as you move through this trajectory and I'm going to stick to the word because I like it. Is uh, that your identity kind of changes as well? In that you, you're one of the things that happens because you're connected to these other people, because you're learning this language, because you're threshold, you've absorbed these threshold concepts, and you're revisiting who you are. Then your identity will then mer- uh, transform as well.
0: Can you give us a quick example of how? of of, of what that identity change looks like in the world of warcraft world
1: well for instance i think one of the things that happens is that you start to develop one um briefly the idea of liminality is that these spaces like world of warcraft they don't necessarily exist apart from the physical world or apart from the rest of the space you bring in things from it but it does give you an opportunity to reinvent to recreate roles to invent new roles and to change who you are, you can be a completely different person within World of Warcraft than you are in the physical world. So that that's, that's, a, that's an example of how liminality works. Um, but one of the things that I think where the community practice model overlaps is that it will talk about the way that, that separate identity can grow, that you have an identity that is um, specific to that participation. Good example of how identity changes in communities of practice that I think anyone who's been Okay, it's it's a kind of undergraduate, but anyone who's been an undergraduate will recognise this as a as a um, as an identity shift. Is have, if you're ever in a situation where you had made friends at university, and then you your friends that you met knew from school and from growing up then meet the people that you are actually an undergraduate with, and you cannot bring those two different groups of people together because. Each one is a different community of practice and you have a different identity with each of those groups. The way that you grew up, and then I think this is why it stands out in people's heads is because this is the first time you notice it. And then the people that you're now at uni with see you as different people because you are different in those two different groups. And um, uh, Wenger calls it modes of multi-participation, I think, and and then that's creating a nexus of multi-participation. But that's the problem is that you cannot be two different people at two different times and yet you are different people Mm. in these different groups. Mm. And it would happen within World of Warcraft is that you're different with the people that you're in the guild with than outside the guild. um, But also that I think very specifically with something in World of Warcraft, which is very different because it's a liminal space, that your identity will change a lot because you will learn about all the different ways you could perform
0: identity within that Liminal space. Yeah, but let's so, not get into liminality. Yeah, but too I mean, so to, to just sort of um, to do a much cruder reapplication of the uh, the analogy, then would be for example, uh, Jeffrey the Postman starts playing World of Warcraft um, and he starts in as a know nothing noob. Two years later, he is now a senior postman. Is this a senior postman? Yeah, I guess yeah, so. Two years later, he works for Parcel Force, which is presumably a promotion. Because they're bigger things. It's bigger boxes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um so, um so by this stage he's also a, a senior member of a prominent guild on his server. Um he's uh training new people who are coming into that guild. Um he's a vocal presence on the on the regional forums. Uh, he may be in regular contact with the developers. He could be um in for example one of the uh, the uh beta or early adopter schemes. So while he may be sort of like progressing in one way in the real world, in the virtual world his kind of His the other side of his personality, the other side of himself is in a progressing in a totally different direction. But they are, you know, he's still ultimately the same person, and that's the difference of the changing identity within the community because that his specific identity within that community, which doesn't necessarily directly impact his. I don't want to say real world. It's. It's all real. If you are spending 300 hours, whatever, in World of Warcraft,
1: that's damn real to you. Mm. And in fact, neurologically, it looks real because if you look at the way that your brain remembers the stuff that happens there, it lights up exactly the same parts of your memory that the word, that memories in the physical world light up. You do not make that distinction um, neurologically between what happens in World of Warcraft and what happens in the physical world. So Anna mm. objects to the use of the word real, objected to the use of the word real, um and so she insisted all of the authors that contributed to that book change the word real so you talk about the physical world and you talk about the virtual world but both of them are equally real there was this guy recently who he was playing world of warcraft and um he died and he was in his early 20s oh was
0: this the guy in the uh, internet cafe in south korea
1: no, no, no. He died playing because he'd just been playing star- that was Starcraft, and he just died of starvation because he didn't do himself away. No, he got he'd, he died from his from um, whatever his physical limit, you know, physical. Oh my god!
0: I heard the story of this from Radio Four. It was heartbreaking.
1: It was heartbreaking. I cried. I've read it. I shared it, and every time I read it, I cried because it's really, really moving. And most and of his guild
0: didn't know. Like that, he was, that
1: no he was No, calling. one. Or, I think one or two did, or they let. He let them know because he was going. He was in hospital, and he didn't know. And so, and then his parents had. They, I think, they were Swedish. And his parents objected to him spending all his time in his basement. They wanted to have a real life and get out there in the real world and and live his life. And what they discovered was that he had a girlfriend. He had people that respected him. He had a career. He had prominence within a community, all within World of Warcraft. And they, the only thing that they, they were, they were really moved by this. And so the people, they all came to his funeral and they stood up and they, they kind of did eulogies to him. And the, the father was saying, Look, if your kids are doing this, do not stop them from doing it because we didn't understand how important this was. And we didn't understand that this is their real life. This is important to them. And on his gravestone, it's got his, his tomb name as well as his. <laughs> It's a physical world name. name. Oh, sorry. Is that what World of Warcraft's call them? N- no, no. I think character? Char- I think just character name. Character? Okay. So it varies, I think. Um, but anyway, so here's character name. I know it's not an avatar. There's an avatar tune distinction, which is, uh, again, something we can talk about when we get on to liminality. So all of that is off the point, but it's about identity, liminal
0: identities. Okay. So before we wrap up, how would an educator apply or use a community of practice within teaching?
1: I think the things about broker agents and boundary objects, being aware of those that you need, that it helps if you have somebody to induct people through that process. If you think ahead about what the key things that people need to know are, and I know it's tied in with this threshold thing, so it's kind of tricky, but um, enabling people seeing these barriers, these transition points, recognising what they are, and identifying ways to help people through those transitions Uh, are all key thinking about how people's identity might change and also to I think make explicit the difference between marginality and peripherality that legitimate peripheral participation is a key part of that process that it's okay to lurk in fact maybe that's a good idea to spend some time lurking and not be put off by the fact that you're not getting it at first but I think showing people the model so that they understand themselves what they're going through as they're trying to get to become part of that community will really help because it kind of contextualizes it. It makes you think, well, okay, I'm not the first. I'm just like these claims processes or I'm just like World of Warcraft. This is part of this trajectory inwards and I need and these are the steps I'm going to go through. And I think that's how it helps by by making it explicit to your learners that this that they are becoming part of community practice and these are the steps can actually then kind of contextualise it for them Mm. and make it seem a bit less daunting.
0: Yeah, and it's not like there's stuff that you... it's not like there aren't uh, practices and subjects that you can't apply communities of practice to, the model to, but there's definitely some which are better suited than others.
1: Well, um, yeah, I think... All of the, I think what Wenger says is that everything is about learning. No mm. matter what you do, you're learning something. If you're Jeffrey and you've suddenly started at po- Parcel Force, was his name Jeffrey? I can't remember mm. it. Then if you started at Parcel Force, you're now in a different community of practice, and it, everything is about learning. Everything is about community. Everything is about doing something. But yeah, if you're um, an educator, then the fact that
0: you are learning stuff is just a lot more obvious, mm. I think. Um, but that's it, really. Yeah. I think that's I, the I, I think it. I think I think it does naturally lend itself. Very well to things which are by their nature participative, by which or by participative or things which naturally exist within communities. Thinking, for example, uh practice uh, literal practical sort uh, or apprenticeships and things like that, mm. where people are doing back to use the word real, but things out in the real world as opposed to perhaps slightly more theoretical things saying once again, just a a better application because I'm conscious that you could apply it to just about anything. I think you could. I mean, I can't think of something which isn't
1: participative. I mean, apprenticeship is possibly one of the things that isn't because it's not necessarily a community. It's you and one other person. In the the classic apprenticeship model, Mm. it's just you and a, well, you know. um, You and a broker agent pulling you
0: into a community of practice.
1: uh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay. you're You're right. There is no example where it doesn't apply. I would be really hard push to think of something that isn't participative, isn't a community,
0: and isn't about learning. Cool. So we've actually given you in the very first episode the only model for learning that you'll ever actually need. Um, so if you <laughs> it do doesn't th- describe <laughs> everything that goes on, but
1: it does describe a little bit of everything that happens. Yeah. Oh okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think we should probably wrap up then. Okay. Cool. Cool. Look um, forward to th- the next one. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, um, Stitcher, possibly Spotify. Who knows? And there might be a website at some stage as well. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Goodbye. Oh, goodbye. I'm <laughs> not supposed to do that.